Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The problem is people don't want Jesus. It's unfortunate. Look at what's happening in what has happened in New York. And so they have two major catastrophes in um, 9-11 and the Twin Towers come down. And, and in 12 years, think about that. Now you've got this, this storm, this hurricane, and it was awful. People even still today are without power. Even still today. And I've not heard anyone on TV as you watch the news and stuff, you don't hear people saying, you know what? You know, we need to thank God that more lives, you know, could have been lost. Uh, We need to praise God and give thanks to God. I don't hear anybody talking about God at all. All I hear people talking about, well, you know, community efforts and we're working together and we're getting this together and people are using long extension cords to go to other people's house for power and all of that. But no one is wanting Jesus. No one is saying, listen, I want to give thanks and praise to God because God has spared lives. People don't want Jesus now when in fact Jesus is what you need. Uh, Am I right about it? Jesus is what they need. And I honestly think, listen, I'm, I'm by no means am I a prophet or anything like that, but I'm just saying that in 12 years, these two major, major catastrophes hitting this one city, it would, wouldn't you think that somebody should buy a clue? And if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and then I will heal, heal their land. But they don't want Jesus. And so we hear a lot of talk about, you know, there's a great revival in the last days. I've heard this a lot. You know, there's going to be a great revival in the last days. And so many people are going to be coming to Jesus in the last days. Listen, the Bible does not say that. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, on the contrary, in the last days, men will be departing from the faith. Some Christians say amen. Uh, Men will be departing from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God, forbidding to marry and calling wrong right and right wrong. This is a scenario from the end, in the end times. And this is what I'm trying to tell you that, that, that I really believe more than I did Friday that Jesus is coming soon. We are on the precipice right there of the second coming of Jesus. And if that be the case, then that means the rapture precedes the second coming. That means the rapture of the church could happen any time. 
any moment. And that means, listen, if you were ever considering giving your life to Jesus Christ, now would be a good time to do it. Jesus is coming. Oh, there them preachers go again, talking about Jesus is coming. They've been saying that for 2,000 years, wearing the placards. Second coming of Jesus is coming and repent on the back. And they've been walking around, you know, Jesus is coming. Oh, there those preachers go again. Yeah, well, that's true. And they've been talking about Jesus coming since Paul wrote the epistles. And Jesus talked about his second coming. And Whitfield and Spurgeon and Graham and Smith and Swindoll and MacArthur and all of these preachers, these great, wonderful preachers, Billy Sunday throughout the entire, all of history have been talking about the coming and the second coming of Jesus. But I will submit to you today that if you look through the scriptures and you look at the news, wars and rumors of wars, catastrophes in places that are unheard of, Cataclysmic events, diseases and, 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 and of, of which no cure can be found. Just look at the news, period. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? If you ain't ready, listen, you're going to get left. Now, if you get left, then get the CD. It will be free. Uh, amen. The whole CD, matter of fact, matter of fact, the whole bookstore will be free to you. All right. You can have it. You can have my car. You can have all my stuff. And listen to my CDs. And then give your life to Jesus. And be saved. So ultimately, you'll spend eternity with God. Because God wants you to spend eternity with him. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. What do you want? We need to be able to say all I want is Jesus. A.W. Tozer wrote in his book, The Pursuit of God. Have you read it? He says, God wants to be wanted. I love that. God wants to be wanted. Point number three. Got to move on. True disciples understand submission in verse 38. And 39, look at verse 38. 38, you looking at it, say amen. Uh, then Jesus turned and seeing them, following, said to them, what do you seek? Get the scene. Jesus said, what are you seeking? What do you want? And they don't know how to answer. And they say, uh, where are you living? Like, what, do you, what do you seek? What do you want? Um, where are you living? Verse 39, I love Jesus. He just worked with you, don't he? Jesus just worked with you. I'd have held him to that question. I'd have said, wait, you didn't answer my question. I said, what you seek? Jesus went right on. Verse 39, come and see. They came and saw. True disciples do what Jesus tells them to do. True disciples don't ask questions. True disciples understand submission. Jesus said, what do you want? They said, where are you staying? Now, listen, very important. The Greek word for staying is meno, M-E-N-O. Strong's Concordance 3305 did the homework for you. Meno. And it means remain, abide, 
to stay. In John's gospel, Jesus describes discipleship with meno. John 15, Jesus says, abide meno, abide in me and I in you. As the branches abides in the vine, together they bring forth fruit. Jesus said, what do you want? They said, where are you staying? In other words, they're saying, Jesus, we want to be where you are. We want to abide with you. We want to hang out with you. We want to be your disciples. And notice when they asked Jesus where he was staying, did you get this? He didn't say, well, go down the street, turn left, and it's the first glowing gray house on the right. That's my place. He didn't say that. Jesus didn't give them information. He gave them an invitation. Come and see. The invitation is met with submission and obedience. They came and saw. In verse 39, tells us it was about the 10th hour. Now, scholars argue as to whether the it was a Jewish time or the Roman time. The Jewish hour is four in the afternoon. The Roman hour would be 10 in the morning. I believe it was a Roman hour because the text says they stayed all day. The point is, John is 90 years old and he remembers what time it is. Isn't it true? When something significant, are y'all listening? When something significant happens, you remember the time, don't you? Most of us remember where we were when the Twin Towers were struck. Don't we? I remember when I got saved. I say it so much, you probably know it as well as I do. January 23rd, what year? Y'all don't remember as best I thought you did, do you? <laughs> Y'all like, I know. <laughs> January. <laughs> Write it down. January 23rd, 1982. I remember 7.30 p.m. Oceanside, California on San Diego Street. At 7.30 p.m. at night, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, 30 years wouldn't trade a day. 30 years walking with Jesus. 30 years being used by God. 30 years. It's great. I, I, I honestly, I just, I love serving to God. I don't know where I would be without him. Probably dead, incarcerated, something, because I was involved in every evil, ungodly, wrong thing there is. And, um, I don't know. But God saved me. And here we are. When John wrote John, it was 60 years after this event. John says, I will never, no, not ever forget. It was 10 a.m. The Lamb of God turned and saw us, and it changed everything. Point number four, two disciples are on a mission to make other disciples. In verse 40 and 41. And notice the Bible tells us, Andrew, look at verse 40 and 41. Andrew found Jesus and told Peter, and we, and Andrew said, we have found the Messiah. Now, I read it like that, but I don't think Andrew said it like that. I'm confident there was an excitement because they were waiting for the Messiah, and now they believe they found him. So Andrew tells Peter, whenever you see Andrew in the scriptures, he's bringing people to Jesus. John chapter 1, right here in our text, verse 42, Andrew brings his brother Peter to Jesus. 
John 6, 8 through 9, Andrew brings his little this little boy with his lunch to Jesus. John 12, 22, Andrew brings a group of Greek seekers to Jesus. Every time Andrew is mentioned in the Bible, he's bringing someone to Jesus. Andrew, his name means manly. Andrew was a manly man. Andrew is always in the shadow of Peter. Andrew's always referred to as Simon Peter's brother. He was a man's man and he's bringing people to Jesus. He didn't write any books or preach any great sermons. Andrew was a blue collar worker, a fisherman, a worker with his brother Peter in the fish industry. Andrew saw Jesus and he couldn't keep it to himself. Why? Because true disciples want to tell other people. Every Christian loves the gospel, but a disciple wants to share the gospel. A true disciple is never content to go to heaven alone. Spurgeon said, I will not believe that you have tasted of the honey of the gospel if you can eat it all yourself. Love that. I had to tweet that yesterday. I can't believe that you have tasted of the honey of the gospel if you can eat it all yourself. And Andrew and Peter are the first two disciples. Then Jesus began, you know the story, Jesus began to put together the list of the disciples. And as you look at the list, it wasn't made up of people, people's magazine, who's who. It was more like Slammer. <laughs> I was trying to find a, or the who's them. Truth is, the disciples were a pretty pathetic package of players, weren't they? But they ought to, and you ought to be happy, because God uses and gets more glory using a pretty pathetic package of players. Am I right about it? Look to your left. Pretty pathetic, huh? (laughs) Look to your right. Pretty pathetic, huh? Look up here. Y'all looking too hard. We're all pretty pathetic. We're all the who's them. But then Jesus say in 1 Corinthians 1 26, for you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh and not many mighty and not many noble are called. But somebody come on, read it with me. But God has called the chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world. Come on, read it to put to shame the things which are mighty. God doesn't call the qualified. You know it. Say it with me. God qualifies the call. Jesus chooses 12 disciples to take the gospel to the world. Peter, Andrew, James, John called the sons of thunder. Philip, Bartholomew, also Nathaniel, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot. These are the 12 that God is going to use to launch a worldwide ministry. Last point, number five, true disciples continue to grow and transform. Look at verse 42. When Jesus looked at Peter, he said, you are Simon. And the word look means he stared and gazed at. That must have been a really awkward moment. Can you imagine Jesus like staring at you? You're like, that's the implication. He stared and literally the Bible, it implies that he saw right through Peter. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, so you are Simon, the son of Johann. From now on, you are going to be called Cephas, which means Peter. 
Now, the implicit authority, notice the implicit authority in what Jesus does here. You are Simon. You shall be called Peter, period. Not if you like it or if it works out. This is the absolute authority of Jesus to choose Simon and name Simon and determine Simon's destiny. You are Pastor Rodney, period. You are Peter, the rock, period. And if you try to be anything else, it won't work. God says, I made you who you is. Be happy with who you be. (laughs) Write it down. (laughs) I made you. And God doesn't make mistakes. God made you who you are. Accept who you are. I'm, I'm talking to somebody here. Except who you are. God made you who you are. You're perfect just like you are. No need to go get a nose job. No need to go get all the stuff. People now, oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, help us. Some folk, you can't even recognize them. Oh, Jesus, let me move on. You know, one of the questions I love about the Bible and what I love about Jesus is that he says to Peter, Peter, you are a rock. Now, if you know your Bibles, you know Peter was anything but a rock. A better name for Peter would have been Sandy. (laughs) Wishy-washy, not a rock. Matthew 16, Peter got the right answer. Who do men say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of a living God. And right after that, Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem and be betrayed and die. And the Bible tells us, read the story. The Bible tells us, hilarious. The Bible tells us, Peter says, Jesus, Jesus, come here. Come here, Jesus. Step over here a minute, Jesus. Listen, I don't think it's going to happen like that. (laughs) It's not going to happen that way. And see, Jesus said, get thee behind me. Right after that, that's when he said, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't understand the things of God. Peter goes from Rocky to Sandy. Matthew 17. Elijah, Moses, Jesus are on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter says something really profound. It is good for us to be here. I can say, it is good for us to be here. Elijah and Moses and Jesus probably look at each other and go, he just does not get it, does he? He does not get it. It's good for us to be here. Let's build three condos. Condos is Greek for tabernacles. God interrupts Peter and says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, shh. John chapter 18, the Garden of Gethsemane. You know the story. They come to arrest Jesus, and Peter is startled. He pulls out his sword, and he starts swinging to cut off Malchus' ear. And Jesus picked up the ear and puts it back on Malchus' head. And I can imagine Jesus picks up the ear, put it on Malchus. He's probably looking at Peter like, man, I'm talking. One more time, man. You don't get it. Acts 10. Peter's on the rooftop in Joppa resting in a vision. He sees a sheet coming down, and in the sheet there's all four-footed beasts of the field, creeping things and birds of the air. And the Lord says, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord. 
Listen, grammatically, this does not go together, okay? Not so Lord. He is either Lord of all or not Lord at all, but you do not say it doesn't go in the same sense. It doesn't sound right. Not so, not so, Lord. Uh uh-uh, uh, I don't eat that. And the Lord said, don't call anything common that I've created, you know, common or unclean. All this is Peter pre-crucifixion. I'm coming in for a landing. But post-crucifixion, Peter is transformed dramatically. He's a different Peter. He wrote two books in the New Testament. He became a leader in the early church. He became the source of the gospel of Mark. He was a keynote speaker on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. He has such a rock-solid faith and commitment to Jesus that when they wanted to crucify Peter, he said, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified right side up like my Lord. Jesus changed Peter's name because Jesus sees Peter for who he will become and not for who he is currently. And you ought to be happy about that. You are Simon, but when you are changed and transformed, you will be a rock. God sees you for who you will be, not for who you are right now. And thank God for that. So we're going to get a witness in this house. Thank God for that. Because if God would have saw me the way I was, I wouldn't be where I am right now, doing what I'm doing right now. God sees you the way you going to be, not the way that you are. Are you glad about it? I'm glad about it. And yes, God uses a pretty pathetic package of players. But in his hands, we're a pretty powerful package of players. The difference is the one using the instrument. Listen to this, not coming for a close. T'was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to auction off the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I to bid for the old violin? Who will start the bidding for me? One dollar, one, who make it two? Two dollars, who make it three? Going for three, but no. Far from back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow, wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up its strings. He played a medley, pure and sweet, as sweet as the angel sings. The auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I to bid for the old violin as he held it up with the bow? One thousand, one, who make it two? Two thousand, who make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We don't quite understand. What changed is worth? Quick came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. Many a man with a life out of tune, battered and torn by sin, is auctioned off to a thoughtless crowd much like that old violin. A message of pottage, a glass of wine, a drug, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice. He's going, he's going, he's almost gone. And then the master comes and the thoughtless crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the miracle that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Is that true? God will take our weight away. God 
will take your life, ashes, and make something beautiful out of it. God wants to touch your life. God wants to use your life. And my question to you, what do you see? You want to be used by God? I say seek the Lord. The Bible says seek the Lord while he may be found. And call upon him while he is near. And let the wicked forsake his way. And turn to God. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.